My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. As soon as one someone says a six-figure or seven-figure business, I want to punch them. I don't know, you're the same. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Extra Shot. This is your weekly podcast where myself and my wonderful co-host, Making Sang, talk about one of the hottest topics in digital marketing news and how it applies to your business. But that's not what we're talking about this week. No, no, we're not talking about that at all because you are listening to this episode because we are away. Or we mess, when I say we, I may have messed up the recording. So <laughs> instead of talking about a hot topic of the week, we want to talk about something that's very close to my heart. When I say we, I may have a little rant. I might need the rant alert button. So what is the topic that you are going to quiz me on this week making? Now, we're going to be talking about uh, something that a lot of marketers mention all the time, which is, which is vanity metrics. And you have a really interesting take on uh, vanity metrics. So if I just explain for people who don't know what a lot of marketers um, say about vanity metrics, I'll sort of give an introduction. And then I really want to know about your take on it. So... The common thread amongst a lot of marketers will say, don't get caught up in how many fans or followers you have, how many um, connections you have. They're all vanity metrics. You know, just make sure that you produce good content. And, and I thought, yeah, that's that's true. You know, so I don't li look at the fact that I've got, you know, however many uh, followers on Twitter or anything like that. Um, but as I said, um, you've got a really interesting take on it, Amanda, because you think that we should be worried about vanity metrics. Is that right? Yeah, I think, okay, there's two perspectives. Firstly, I would say that although that that is said, I don't agree with, it comes from a good place. It comes from somebody with a good heart will say that because people do tend to only obsess about how many followers they have and that's quite difficult when you're working with a company and that's all they're focused on to kind of explain that you actually need more than followers so you need the right followers you need whatever so I think that's where that comes from and there's nothing wrong with that thinking that is good thinking 
The problem is that people think some metrics are more important than others. And I would say that everything can be a vanity metric everything. So it's not just the number of followers that you have. If you want to go, well, the number of the amount of traffic I've got to my website, that's a vanity metric. The number of people who sign up to my email list, that's a vanity metric. The number of people who download this lead magnet, that's a vanity metric. Even it can be the number of sales you make could be a vanity metric. If you're not charging enough money, if you're not making enough money out of it, that's a vanity metric. So actually anything can be a vanity metric unless you look at it in a precise way. And at the same time, nothing is a vanity metric because if you don't have followers, if you don't have reach, nobody knows that you exist. And that is at the core of marketing. We want as many people as possible within our target market to know we exist. So yeah, it's not the most, like if we're talking about followers, it's not the only metric you should measure and you definitely shouldn't be trying to game it by like buying followers because that is vanity that is doing nothing for you but you do need people within your target market to follow you or the people who influence them to follow you so that you can have an impact so I don't know if you want to um, me to unpack that a little bit more I can't believe I just said unpack that's such a that's such a <laughs> term <laughs> Well, you can unpack it, but before uh, we do that, uh, there is one thing that I do want to um, get go into a little bit deeper. I mean, you're not the analytics queen for nothing, right? And so, of course, if we are encouraged to treat all of these metrics, because they are metrics, as you know, as vanity metrics, but they're good, then what do we need? You know, if we do have a certain number of followers that we're looking at, what do we need to do? You know, uh, if we look at that particular metric, we need to measure it, right? So, how would we measure its effectiveness? Or, you know, you talked about, um, um, you know, if you don't charge enough for um, a product and how many products you sold is a vanity metric. What do we do with that information? How, you know, what do we need to do, uh, do to measure it more in order to improve ourselves in business? There's a couple of things you can do for your followers, for example. Well, one, you can check that the right people are following you. So no matter whether you're looking at your Google Analytics or your social analytics, you can see who is following you roughly. So you can see, are they male and female? You know, what age group do they fall into? Whereabouts in the world they are, which is even more important because, you know, I was thinking about this when I was going through my LinkedIn connections today. And, you know, I have a lot of people requesting to connect with me on LinkedIn from lots of places around the world. And sometimes I feel a bit guilty for not accepting it. So today there was somebody from Saudi Arabia that was wanting to connect with me. And I looked at their profile and they didn't fit my target market. And they don't, they're not living in a location that is relevant to me because I'm not going to buy from them. And also I don't sell to that location. So I didn't accept it. And but sometimes you feel a bit guilty about that, right? Because you're kind of going, well, am I just because they're from whatever country it happens to be, I'm, I'm ignoring them. So firstly, that's okay, because they're never going to be my customer. And I'm never going to be their customer. So actually us connecting on LinkedIn is completely pointless. They can follow me and see if they're interested in Google Analytics and see what I post. So that's the first thing. Who is it that's following you? The second thing, which is I would think is your conversion rates. So you can look at 
how many followers you have and how many customers you have. You could take that really broad view and you could also see what your revenue is. So if you've got, say, a thousand followers on a social network and you've made, just because I can't do maths live, a thousand dollars, pounds, euros, whatever it's going to be, that's one one euro, dollar, pound per, per follower. So if you suddenly got 2,000 followers, would that rise to 2,000 euros, which can tell you actually that means that your followers are actually directly, well, possibly directly connected to your revenue. So that's one way that you can work it. And you can look there and obviously you're not going to have a one, if you have one dollar per follower, like honestly, you're an absolute genius. (laughs) So, and if you increase it, and you can improve it to your followers that are doing that. That's a genius. But that's one way that you can look at it. That's the big picture. Or you can measure it all the way down the line. So you can look at, right, so they follow me. What's the next step that I want them to take? I want them to subscribe to my email list. What do I want then? Well, I want to see which channel that subscribes to my email list is more likely to become a customer. How much money does that customer spend on their first sale? And how much do they spend over the lifetime of being a customer? And if you can really get geeky into each step there, then you can make some sort of correlation between the whole process. So you've got 500 followers. This is going to be difficult maths now. I give myself, say you've got 500 (laughs) followers on LinkedIn and a thousand followers on Twitter. You'll be able to actually attribute the revenue from LinkedIn as being higher maybe than the a thousand followers you have on Twitter stroke X. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's fantastic. Uh, and, you know, as I say, you're not the an- analytics queen for nothing. Um, the next step, of course, is to look at the return on investment, which you kind of touched upon. Uh, I was just wondering whether there's anything else that you can think about that we need to consider now that we're looking at all metrics as vanity metrics, but delving into the success of it or not or, or not. Uh, what can um, we do to, yeah, to look at the return on investment a little deeper? So I suppose you really want to get deep into your lifetime customer value, which is a really uh, complicated, it sounds complicated, actually, it's quite straightforward, but it can be a head wreck of um, your lifetime customer value, which is like how much you make per customer, but then you want to minus the cost per customer. So if you take all the overheads for your business, no matter if it's it's related to a that particular sale or the electricity, you know, all of those overheads need to go into that calculation and divide that by the number of customers. And that will give you your lifetime, your average lifetime value of a customer. So you need to work out your average, your how much money you're getting per customer over the period of time they're with you and deduct the amount that you're spending to get that customer over that period of time. And that will give you a hopefully a figure in the plus. And this is where a lot of businesses go wrong. This is why accountants kind of like me. Because they, you know, we see all these people, and I know it's a bugbear for a lot of people. It's a bugbear for me. As soon as one someone says a six figure or seven figure business, I want to punch them. I don't know, you're the same. I feel uh, yeah, like ringing my absolutely. bell, and I haven't even mentioned Elon Musk. <laughs> because you can have a six figure business, you can have a seven figure business, but you could be spending eight figures to get there, which means that you're actually, you know, the amount of money that you're turning over is completely irrelevant. You really need to focus on that profit. So you need to look at every last expense you're putting into your business. And, you know, we like buying shiny things, right? 
before you make that shiny (laughs) thing you need to make sure there's going to be profit that you can actually buy the shiny thing out of which is I know a lot of people miss (laughs) my dad works in b2b marketing but I never really knew what that meant Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Now, Amanda, you've given me a headache now, and I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) No, it's okay. Don't be sorry. (laughs) I imagine that other people are in the same place as well. And I know you're doing it because you care so much. So let's let's, um, take a step back. Okay, so we are... um, Reevaluating the way that we look at vanity metrics, you know, your fans and followers and delving in a little bit deeper. Um, but where is that the first place to start? And how can we track, you know, the, you know, because you're giving exam- different examples of the way that you track depending on whether it's followers or you're looking at um, how many products you've bought, um, sold, the customer lifetime, you know, where do people start so that they don't get overwhelmed? I, I mean, I'm really asking this for myself, to be honest, Amanda. <laughs> and it's a really good question because I know it's overwhelming. So I would always nail it back to what do you actually need to measure to know if you're successful? So you could just go, well, I know how much money I'm getting in and I know how many followers I have, which is why I gave that example at the beginning and you could just test and see if I get more followers do I get more money does that make a difference that's the first thing that you can do and if not you change your tactic for getting followers so I know one thing a lot of we we used to do in the old days when social media was new we knew if we put a a cat picture up it would go a bit viral get new followers (laughs) but it has nothing to do with your business so those followers probably aren't going to result in a higher income so think about what you're doing so at the if we think about a traditional marketing funnel we've got the acquisition uh, we've got yeah we've got the top of funnel stuff which is where we build our audience so we want to reach as many people as possible but they need to be in our target market and that's where you'd look in your analytics the social platforms are great for this um, less so on Google Analytics but you're able to see all those metrics I was talking about you know age group gender um, yes. where they live So then the next phase down is when people are in the consideration phase. 
So they're thinking about buying from you. What do you need to measure then? Well, you need to look up people who are looking at your sales pages. Now, I do a lot of business to business, so I'm always thinking about the specific service pages you might have on your website or specific content you're sharing on social media that's related to that. And if you're writing any of that crucial content where you're answering your customer questions and their objections about your product and service, I would add that in. Look at the number of people that are visiting those pages because when they're considering, they're looking at those pages more to inform their decision. And the same with your social media posts testimonials how many views are they getting are people engaging with them on social are people looking at your case studies on your website then the next phase is your your selling stage and that's where you just want to make sure that process is working so if you're e-commerce this is great because everything's laid out in front of you you can see people are putting things in the cart why aren't they buying or they're going to the checkout phase and they don't end up buying so you can see holes that way Unfortunately for service-based businesses like me and you, that a lot of that stuff happens offline. They see us on the website and as much as we're going, fill in the form, fill in the form. Nobody ever fills in the form. <laughs> like they get in touch some other way. They send you an email or they, they phone, you know. So that's the tricky bit is you have to track that offline piece yourself using something like a spreadsheet at the very least. So, you know, that there's that whole process beyond that. So that's your three main phases. So then it's like, well, how many relevant followers have I got? How many people are visiting the relevant pages on my website? How many people are then going through the buying process and are they dropping out through that process? Is that slightly less overwhelming? Slightly less overwhelming and we don't want to overwhelm uh, people anymore. That is enough. Um, There was one tiny thing I wanted to uh, add, which I think you will agree because... I think we need to hit that perimenopausal brain button. Okay, hang in there. Menopausal brain. Yes, I can see she's still laughing. So (laughs) we'll come back to you on that one. You know, that blank face you get, like for for the women who are listening, I always notice when we do it on LinkedIn, that um, for the women listening, they will put the laughing emoji up there. Men, blank, blank, nothing. They don't know are they allowed to laugh. Yes, we're laughing. You're allowed to laugh too. Maybe they don't want us going on about it. Well, tough. (laughs) Right, I just remembered. So for service-based business owners like yourself and myself, uh, and anyone who's listening, uh, we need to track things, um, you know, the analytics manually. And uh, I remember in a previous episode of the, um, the Extra Shot, I think you mentioned how it's important that when you do get someone who has slid into your DMs or picked up the phone after looking at your lurking on your stuff and they want to work with you, to ask them where they saw you from. And that forms part of the tracking, the manual tracking. Is that right? Yeah, and I know this is something everyone's going, yeah, well, I know that because that's what we used to do, right? Well, that's what everyone does before they even look at their analytics. That's like what you do. I suppose there's a couple of things to look for is go and check to see if that customer is following you on social media. Check if they're on your email list, if they mention anything. So most of my customers, a lot of my customers would mention the Digital Coffee, which is the companion show for this or the other way around. So I will make a note of that. But also remember to ask. Now, people sometimes will say it's the internet, like, or sometimes they'll say it was Facebook and they won't know exactly where. But if you pair that with your analytics, you might get a better idea. 
Also, you know, analytics can't tell you everything anymore because of privacy things. So I actually had a customer tell me she'd done a specific search on Google and found me. But when I looked back at my, because she signed up to my email list, so I was able to see, I knew when she signed up and when she made the inquiry, it looked like it came direct. So, you know, Ah. analytics doesn't always tell you everything. So I'm able to now go, well, that's that customer. She downloaded that and then she got in touch. Great. That's what I wanted her to do. Well, I wanted her to fill in the form, but, you know, (laughs) that'll do. (laughs) And now I can assign that because she was smart, because she's also a digital marketer, because I work with a lot of marketers who want to know their analytics more. She knew exactly what she was searching for when she found me. So that pairs that information together and it fills that gap for me. Brilliant. Love that. Now, Amanda, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you for not uh, overwhelming me. I hope the listeners uh, enjoyed it too. Now, if people wanted to go to the next stage, um, where where do they go? I'm sure you've got something that you could share with the listeners, right? Yes. <laughs> Shameless like- plug alert. <laughs> If you would like to visit my website, spiderworking.com, that is my website. And on the homepage, if you scroll down, there is actually a Google Analytics for cheat sheet that you can get that will help you with that. And obviously, there are pages there which will tell you all about my services. Or follow me on social. My favorite social network is LinkedIn, but I am on almost everything at Spiderworking. So um, follow me on those and you can get in touch that way too. Brilliant. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back with a normal episode shortly. Normal service will resume. We can't even say our Batman thing. (laughs) Until next time. Bye-bye. With many thanks to... um... David Paramore, my brother-in-law, for the end credits music. And thank you to my co-host, Making Sang, and to myself, Amanda Webb, and to Jason and everyone at MPN Network. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.